Hallelujah. Pretty good. Hallelujah. Yeah, a few of you. Some people just aren't going to play. Mm. <laughs> Praise the Lord. In uh, Revelation 19, you, you, know the, you know the book of Revelation is John um, receiving this revelation. Uh, the Lord showing him things to come. Revelation 19, he hears a sound like a great multitude shouting. They're not quiet. And they're shouting hallelujah. God is not offended or upset at all at some volume declaring we praise you, we exalt you, we glorify you. Hallelujah. Then as the chapter continues, John hears again this multitude shouting hallelujah. This, this time he describes it as, as like the sound of many waters. Like have you, ever, have you ever stood next to Niagara Falls and watched it and also listened to this sound of many waters rolling down over this cliff, if you've not been there and seen it or heard it, I'm sure you've been to a waterfall somewhere where you heard the sound of, of rushing water. Or, or have you ever just taken a hike uh, where, you were, where you were approaching a creek or, or, or white water and you can hear it long before you ever get to it? It's, it's loud, but it's wonderful. He said it was like the, the sound of many waters or, or, the, or the sound of roaring, rolling thunder. You ever had thunder just clap right over your head? That'll get your attention. Like rock. You've had it like rock your house and rattle your windows. This is, but, but it wasn't rushing water. Or, or clapping thunder. It was the multitudes recognizing Jesus for who he is, alone worthy of a hallelujah. I love the song, love the song, but I, I, I wish, wish we'd just rewrite the, the, I know it's not much. Because maybe it doesn't seem like much to us, but it is what the king wants. So it must be much. It must be highly valuable. Us bringing to him a hallelujah. We enter into his presence and we have a gift. And it's the gift that he alone deserves that only he is worthy of, a gift that we are honored and privileged to bring, the gift of a hallelujah. So come on, my soul. Come on, saints. Don't get shy. Don't let the world silence your voice. 
Don't let your own personality quiet your praise. You have a hallelujah to bring to the king. Bring it. And bring it loud. And bring it often. It is, it is, read the Psalms, it is entirely fitting for me to stand up here and encourage you to praise the Lord. Read the book of Psalms. He did it all the time. We get on worship leaders and preachers for, for telling us to clap our hands and stand and raise and sing. That's wrong of us. Scripture does that. David said, I would that all, I mean, I mean, Paul said, I would that all men would pray with uplifted hands. I'm just encouraging you in your hallelujah. You go ahead and bring it. And bring it wherever you are. Walk up through Walmart and just remember the goodness of God and let a hallelujah roll out of your mouth. You can do it quiet if you'd like. And you can do it medium. And you can do it loud. However the Lord leads, however he would move. Seems to me the saints you get around, the older ones, have lost the quiet and moved into the volume. And they just do not care what anybody thinks. My grandfather, we'd be out on the fishing pier with every sinner in Virginia Beach and he'd give a hallelujah. I'd be like, Granddad, you don't have to do it so loud. He said, Well, you know, it's loud out here. I want God to hear me. Right? Praise the Lord. I'd like to spend a couple weeks um, talking to you about the new covenant. Uh, you, you, know, you know, Scripture is, is uh, broken into two testaments. There's the Old Testament and the New Testament. The word testament means covenant. So you could say the, the Old Covenant, the 39 books of the Old Covenant, and then the 27 uh, books of the New Covenant, the New uh, Testament. I'd, I, I want to I get into this uh, because I think it's incredibly important uh, to, our, uh, to, to us uh, living in, in great joy, uh, living filled with joy and peace, overflowing with hope. I think it's incredibly important for us to understand, uh, to understand covenant, to understand the new uh, covenant. How many of you know that uh, understanding is important? Right? We, we trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and we don't lean on our own understanding. But there is an understanding that comes from Him. We call it revelation. But, but it really, revelation is, is something that I couldn't understand on my own that He helps me to see and know and understand. And that understanding is incredibly valuable. It is very important. And it's key. It's, it's, it's a key to living in a fullness of joy and peace and an overflow of hope. There, there's, a, there's a lot of, of, uh, of deceptive things that many receive and grasp and embrace and take in as truth that the enemy is using to rob. You remember he's, he's a robber? He's a thief? He's a liar? He comes to steal? 
some of the main things he's after is your joy and your peace and your hope. He'd like to take those from you, and he brings a false understanding into our lives in order to, in order to rob us and rid us, uh, steal from us uh, the, the joy and the peace uh, that, uh, that the Lord wants for us. Do you know that? The Lord wants you to live Romans 15, 13. He wants you to, He's the God of hope. He wants you to trust in Him and live full of the power of the Holy Spirit and from that be filled with joy and peace and an overflow of hope. He, he wants Psalm 4 for you. That you would have greater joy than when their grain or new wine abound. That you'd lie down and sleep in peace knowing that the Lord makes you dwell in safety. He wants for you life and that more abundantly. He wants for you life and that to the full. He is a good, 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 good God. He declared it himself. He declared his name in Exodus 33 and he said, the Lord is good. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He's compassionate and kind. That is who He is. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And He wants for us goodness. He wants for us blessing. He wants for us His favor. He wants for us joy and peace. What are the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. He, he, he hasn't boxed them in or limited them in any way. He wants us to have them and have them in abundance. He wants us to have it and have it to the full. He wants us to have it and have it to the overflow. You can love and have it overflowing in your life. There's, there's no limit to joy. You can have it and have it some more and have it some more. You can get on the highway of joy and go as fast as you want to. There's no speed limit and no policeman who's going to pull you over. You're doing 70 miles of joy and, and the speed limit is 60. You're getting a ticket. There's none of that. God wants you to get on it and fly. You get in the, you slide down into the, into the sports car of abundant life. Uh, the, uh, the new covenant version, the sports car of abundant life, new covenant. You get in that sports car and you get out on the interstate and you go as fast as you want. You floor it when it comes to love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and enjoy it. It's, it's boring to drive slow, isn't it? Oh, man. So boring. But if you can put the, if you can put the pedal to the metal and man, get you on a winding road with a with an abundant life car, new covenant version, 
that can handle the curves and you put the, you put the, the, the gas pedal down and you rip it and... Man, that's life right there. Not that I, I would never do that. I don't, even know, I don't even know if it's fun. I've been told that it is. Told that it's fun. Heath said it was fun. This is, this is life in him. Right? He and he doesn't want to stick us in... I don't know why Jude likes sports cars, but he does. He's like, look at that, Dad. That's a Tesla. There's a Lamborghini. It's a Jaguar. Right? I mean, it's just wired in, a, in, a, in us, isn't it? God doesn't stick us in that sports car of abundant life, new covenant version, and slap, us, and slap a speed limit on it. Say, so here you go. You got all this fun. You got all this power. You got all this life. Now drive slow. He says, man, here you go. Get on the interstate. There's no speed limit. You crank it. Have a good time. Fly. You can go as fast in love as you want to. Fast in joy. As fast in peace. You just run it. This is what God has for us. It, it wasn't available to us in the old covenant. So something had to shift and change because the old covenant, it was a slow, old, boring car. I don't know if it's a good analogy or not. Jesus, Jesus said, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He says, what I want for you is life and that more abundantly, so I had to come. He says, so I... He said, the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, I've come. I had to come so that you'd have, so that you'd have the abundant life sports car. New covenant version. Jump on in that baby and rip it down the road. You put, you get on, get on the highway to peace and go. And have a good time. Jesus said, that's what I want. So I had to come because, because, the old covenant stuff wasn't going to make it happen. So Jesus came and he died. He shed his blood on the cross. What do we remember when we take communion? We remember the blood of Christ, which has forever established a new covenant. Hebrews says, if you don't like this kind of preaching... Go read the book of Hebrews. Take a slow read through the book of Hebrews. It's basically saying what I'm saying. There was an old, slow, boring car, and that's not what God wanted for us. It was getting us down the road. It was right for its time. But he wanted something else for us. And so he had to put an end to the old covenant and bring the new to accomplish his will and purpose, his plan in our lives. Does that, mean that, does that mean that we sin? No, God forbid. It means that we're set free from sin. Does that mean that we continue to live in sin? No, because sin is a slave master. It means that I've been liberated from sin 
to live in the abundant life. It, it, means that, it means that life for me is no longer found in indulging the sinful nature. What are the, what are the, the fruits, you will, what are the, what are the acts of the sinful nature? Read those in Galatians 5. We're liberated from those. Those need law. Those need a speed limit. Those have got to be boxed in and confined, and if you break the law, then you get a prison sentence. Those because they're destructive. He said, that's not what I have for you. That's not the life that you want to live in. That's not where abundant life is. Set us free from that, that we might be free to live by the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. God, don't those just sound good? Isn't that just what we want? And that's what God wants for us. It's an important revelation to understand that this is, this is what He wants. This is what I want. This is what I need. This is what everyone needs. Life and that more abundantly. In, uh, in Nehemiah chapter 8, there is the statement, Nehemiah 8.10, that Nehemiah makes where he says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And there's, there's two things in there in Nehemiah 8 that are, that are prominent, that, that kind of jump out at me uh, that um, that are that are in the setting where Nehemiah makes that declaration, the joy of the Lord is is uh, my strength. Now, we had a a ministers leaders gathering training yesterday, and and I shared some of this uh, with them. Uh, so if you were here on that, I apologize. I'll share a little bit of it, but then we'll then we'll push a little bit further. So. So you get to hear it again, a little bit of it again, and then we'll, then we'll push just a little bit further on it. Uh, in Nehemiah 8, you, you remember Nehemiah has, has come back to Jerusalem. By, by Nehemiah 8, they have rebuilt the wall in 52 days amidst uh, great opposition. And now uh, people... Uh, who are there, who are already there, are living in security, and more people from exile are coming back. And so they, so in, in Nehemiah 8, they, they have a gathering together, and they, and they, they gather, and it's got a, it's got a, it's, it's got a, a really uh, new covenant feel to it. The, the, the men, the women, the children gather together, and Ezra comes out and reads to them the book of the law. And he starts from, from in the morning till the afternoon reading the book of the law. So, so from sunrise to noon, he reads the book of the law, and they listen. I figured that would be a great outreach. We could, we could publish it. We could invite all of Greenville to come. Women and children can come too. Uh, we could maybe do it in the football stadium or somewhere big enough to hold the crowd that will come. And I will stand up from, from sunrise to noon and read Leviticus. 
It's going to be great. Everybody's going to want to come. Everybody's going to want to be there, right? This is what, this is what they did, and everybody came. And, and nobody was like looking at their watch. They, they sat there and listened to the word of the Lord for hours. You guys thought I was long-winded. Aren't you glad Ezra's not your pastor? You're like, oh my Lord. Here we go. Could we, could we move on to the New Testament? Do we have to read Leviticus? Is this... and, and, and the people were moved by the word of the Lord. And Ezra was moved by the word of the Lord. It's, it's got a very church service feel to it. He was even standing up on a, on a wood platform so that all the people could see him. And he was reading and he began to praise the Lord. And as he was praising the Lord, the people said amen. Isn't that crazy? The preacher was preaching. The people said amen. 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 Hallelujah. Again, that's scripture. It's an okay thing to do. And, and he was praising the Lord and the people began to praise their Lord. And then, and then some of the Levites began to, began to also teach the people and they, and they helped them to understand the word of the Lord. They, they were not only hearing it, but they were being helped to, to know what it meant and to understand what it was saying. And then the people began to weep and mourn and Nehemiah steps up and he says, and he says, no, no, no. He says, this, this day that we are in, this day that we are celebrating, this is a sacred day. This is a very important day. This is a day where we are gathered together to celebrate and, and not to weep and mourn. He says, so stop weeping and mourning. He says, celebrate for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Let me read that to you, Scott. Uh, Nehemiah 8, 8, 10. Nehemiah 8, 10. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to the Lord. This is a, a sacred day to the Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. That, that, that there is a strength that comes to us when there's a joy that comes to us that is coming to us from the Lord. And God wants us to be strong in Him and in His mighty power. He wants us to be filled with the joy of the Lord. And then the, the Levites calmed all the people saying, Be still, for this day is a holy day or a sacred day, a, a sanctified day, a day set apart, a special day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food, and to celebrate with great joy because they now understood, because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. They're, they're gaining understanding of the word of the Lord, and because of that, and because of the day that they are in, they go forward to celebrate with great joy. Because of the word of the Lord and understanding of the word of the Lord, and because of the day that they are in, Nehemiah speaks to them, and he says, and he says look, don't weep and mourn. 
Rejoice. Be filled with joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So there's two things here I want you to see. One is, is this importance of understanding what God has said. And then the second is this importance of recognizing the day that we are in. You see, for us, the day that we are in is the day of the new covenant. We're not in old covenant times. We are in the day of salvation. Because of what Jesus has done, because of the blood of Christ, we are in the day, Romans 10, where everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We are in the day of, 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 of the blood of Christ, of His mercy, of His grace, of the covenant that He has established we are in the day that Ephesians 2 talks about where it's not works, but grace. Otherwise, all would boast that we find salvation. And we need to rejoice in the Lord for the day that He has made. That's Psalm 118, 24, right? 23 tells us that the day that he's talking about is this new covenant day, the day that the Lord has made. It's he who has done it. We are, we are marveling at it. This is the day the Lord has made, the time of his patience, his mercy, his grace, this new covenant, his salvation, his goodness poured out on all people. This is the day the Lord has made. A day of rejoicing. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We need to understand what the new covenant is, what it means, and who we are when we enter into it. And recognizing that day and understanding what it is, I think leads us to great joy. It, 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 it leads us to a fullness of joy and peace and an overflowing of hope. Uh, understanding. I, I was trying to think of a, a scripture to support that. Uh, Proverbs, is it Proverbs 24? Uh, that says, By wisdom the house is made, through understanding it is established, uh, through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. Understanding. Having, having God come and reveal and show us uh, what we need to see, what we need to know. So, so there's a lot about the new covenant. Um, and inspired by Ezra, I think we'll just tackle it today. We could go from now till midnight and we could tackle understanding the new covenant. I'm just kidding. Let's do it. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's just tackle a little part of it. This, this new covenant uh, is not a covenant of fear. The new covenant is not a covenant of fear. We have been liberated, freed from fear. 
Let's look at Romans chapter 8, the great Romans chapter 8. Uh, what, what is that? Uh, 12, yeah. Romans 8, 12. Look, we're, we were at Nehemiah 8, 12, and now we're at Romans 8, 12. Woo! <laughs> Praise the Lord. Come on, I'm a little funny every now and then. Just, just force out a laugh if you have to. <laughs> Therefore, brothers and sisters... We have an ob- obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it, right? <laughs> yes. We do not have an obligation to get in that old car and drive it around. But we do have an obligation, but it's not to that. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. We've got an obligation to live by the Spirit. To jump in the sports car and crank it down the interstate. No speed limit on the spirit. 13, 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves. So that you live in fear again, rather the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. This, is, this new covenant is not a covenant of fear. We have been liberated from fear. We are no longer slaves to fear. That's why Jesus had to come. Because he didn't want us to be bound and live in fear. And when we come to Christ and put our faith and trust in him, we are washed in the blood. And the power of his blood shed on Calvary breaks, not only washes our sin away, it breaks the power of sin off of our lives and makes us children of God. And we are in the new covenant, not slaves to fear, but rather adopted into sonship. So instead of fear, there is, there is adoption, there is sonship. So this, the new covenant is a covenant of sonship. It is a covenant of adoption. It is not a covenant of fear. We've got to understand that. Now, now sonship is not a male-only word. Galatians puts that to an end. In Galatians, it says that in Christ, there's no longer male or female. It's not about being male or female. It's about It's about the position of the firstborn son. And that in the new covenant is a position that male and female alike step into. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. For we are all heirs together with 
Christ Jesus. We come into, we come into, into the firstborn heir position because we are united with Christ, whether you're a man or a woman, or a Jew or a Gentile, or American or Chinese or African or Asian or Russian or any other nation around this world, the new covenant is for all people everywhere to be liberated from fear and adopted into sonship. And the adoption, hallelujah, the adoption is is much like what we would understand, but but entirely different as well. When you are, the, the way I understand the, the way the Israelites adopted was when you were adopted as a son, you were a son. That it was, you had everything, every right of a, of a blood-born child. And in Christ, the adoption is, is the same way. We are brought in, we are co-heirs with I can't even wrap my mind around it. I don't totally understand it. I just know that it is that we are co-heirs with Christ. And and so like Jesus would say, Father or or Daddy, or like I like I call my dad, hey Pop. This this father-son child relationship, sonship relationship for, for the firstborn. You, you, you know, because the firstborn was, was the heir that got the inheritance. And Jesus is the firstborn that gets the inheritance, and we are co-heirs with him. And so like he would say, Daddy, we now say, Daddy. It's, it's not fear anymore. We're no longer a slave to that. We're adopted as sons. And Romans goes on. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. First uh, John 3, how great is the love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. We've got to know this. We've got to understand this. I I am a child of God. Not by works or anything I've done. It is grace. It's Jesus on the cross. It's his blood shed. I am, because of that, a child of God. Because I have believed in him and received him. I am no longer a slave to fear. I am God's child. If we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. What in the world? If we are, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Now, now, 
Suffering is an interesting word, but it's a different word than punishment. As, as a child of God, there may be some sufferings, but sufferings are different than punishment. And suffering isn't necessarily connected with fear like punishment is connected with fear. Let's look at 1 John 4. First John 4, 16, and so we know and rely on, on the love God has for us. So we know and rely on the love God has for us. New covenant children, we know, we rely on the love God has for us. I read it again. You getting tired of it? So we know and rely on the love God has for us. I don't know if you catch it or not, so, so let me just change it and maybe you'll see it then. So we know, I'm going I'm to read it wrong this time. So we know and rely on the love we have for God. Hallelujah. Is that what it says? It's not what it says. Did you, hear what I, did you see what I did? We know and rely on the love God has for us. I'm not relying on my love for God. I'm relying on His love for me. It's better. That's a better place. Am I saying I don't love God? No. I'm standing on, trusting in, hoping in, relying on his love for me. God is love. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad? Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. God is love. He is good. He's kind. He's merciful. He's gracious. This is how Love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Not fear on the day of judgment. Confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. That's an interesting statement, isn't it? There's no fear in love. Uh, well, well, Why? Because perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. What does fear have to do with? Punishment. But, but we recognize, Romans already told us that, that we've been liberated from fear. And have been made children of God. And fear's got to do with punishment. So, so does that also mean We've been liberated from punishment? Is the, so is the new covenant then not only a covenant of, of no fear, but also a covenant of no punishment? The new covenant is not a covenant of fear. It is not a covenant of punishment. Hallelujah. 
This is why it's not a covenant of fear, because fear has to do with punishment. Uh, Romans 8.1. Should we throw it up? Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's not condemnation. There's not punishment. There's not judgment. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because, because through my works and my incredible awesomeness and all that I have done, the law of the Spirit gives life has set me free from the law of sin and death. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit that gives life has set me free. It's, it is a covenant of freedom. It is not a covenant of fear, not a covenant of punishment. It is a covenant of freedom has set me free from the law of sin and death. This is new covenant. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, the, the old covenant couldn't accomplish it. It was powerless to do it uh, because it was dependent on us. The new covenant is able to accomplish things the old couldn't because it's, append, it's dependent on God and His Son. God, our Lord Jesus Christ. God did by sending his own son, his only begotten son, in the likeness of sinful, sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Not driving around that old thing anymore, we're driving around the new we live according to the Spirit. We don't gratify the desires of the sinful nature. So there is punishment. There is condemnation. There is judgment because God is just, but it doesn't come to us. Who did it land on? He's the one who bore our iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was not laid on me and not laid on you, it was laid on Him. You see, there's, there's going to someday be a whole multitude of people who understand this, who recognize that, that, that based on nothing they've done, they have become heirs with Christ, the bride of Christ, one with Him to live for eternity in the inheritance that's going to be poured out upon him. And they did nothing to earn it and nothing to deserve it. They have walked in freedom and peace, lived in the land of, a, of abundant life because of Christ and Christ alone. And they're going to look at him and with a roar that sounds like rushing waters or the sound of pealing thunder, they're going to shout hallelujah because they have been set free by the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. May that revelation come to us before that day. 
I'd like to lift up some volume from my voice and shout hallelujah before I see him at the wedding lamb, at the, at the, at the, at the wedding feast, at the marriage supper of the lamb. I got all tongue-tied right there. Praise the Lord. The new covenant, not a covenant of fear. It's not a covenant of punishment. It's a covenant of freedom. It's a covenant where we have received mercy, grace, forgiveness, even though we don't deserve it, because he paid the price for us. It's a covenant of freedom from punishment. I know it's getting late. I'm having fun, though. Can, can I, let me just read First Thessalonians. I'm trying to decide if I should or shouldn't. Let me just read it to you. I'll try to read down through this pretty quick. Now, brothers and sisters, about time, you know, we've, we've been reminded of the coming of the Lord, of judgment, about times and dates We do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly. As labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness. So that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We are children of the light of Christ. We are children of the day of salvation, this new covenant day that we live in. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It's not a covenant of punishment. Jesus has taken the punishment. Jesus has suffered the wrath. There is in Christ no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It is is not appointed for us to suffer wrath, but to receive Salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That's why when, when Jesus comes and calls his church, I'm going. Uh, and then the wrath will begin. It's not appointed for us to suffer wrath. I guess you can stay if you'd like. But me, I'd rather go. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. 
Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Encourage one another. Hey, come on. You're a child of God. Don't be afraid. You're a child of God, an heir of Christ. Don't worry about punishment. You're a child of God. There's, there's no kind of, I feel so condemned. That's not from Jesus. That's not in Christ. I feel so unworthy. Well, check that at the door. Because Jesus made you worthy. You are worthy of him going to the cross and shedding his blood. You are worthy. Encourage one another. Encourage one another. Say, say, don't mourn. Don't weep. The joy of the Lord is your strength. This is a new covenant day. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. It's a day of rejoicing. We are, we are freed from fear. We are freed from punishment. We are forgiven. It's a, it's a very familiar story. Luke 15, where the prodigal son wanders off and turns away from his father, grabs his inheritance, squanders it, and then one day, having nothing left in the pig's pen, decides that, that even a servant in his father's house has it better off than he does, and he's going to go home to his dad and see what will happen. And when he comes home to his father, what does he receive? Punishment or sonship? He is brought back, not as a servant. He is brought back as a son, completely forgiven. His position restored, his clothing restored, and there is a celebration, a feast, because his son who was lost has come home again. He has been found. He has been forgiven. Did he deserve it? No. He didn't. But the older, older son went and paid the price for him. Took his punishment. Shed his blood so the younger, younger son could be forgiven. I'm not talking about the older son in the story. I'm talking about the only begotten Son of God who came and shed His blood to establish for us a new covenant, a covenant where we are forgiven, a covenant where we are free, a covenant where there is no fear and there is no punishment. There is mercy and grace, adoption, sonship. We begin to understand the day that we are living in and the people that we are and we rejoice and are glad because of all that Jesus has done for us. It's a covenant of freedom 
freedom from punishment. We, we need only, we need only believe in Jesus and receive him as Savior and Lord. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads? And if, you're, if you're watching online or listening to this podcast and you're able, would you just close your eyes and we're just going to pray. Would you, would you pray with us online? And let's all pray here together. I'm not... I'm not in any way insecure about my salvation or my sonship. But every now and then I still just I still just recommit myself to the Lord. I just re re if you will enter into covenant with him. So let's pray together this morning and just receive his forgiveness. Open our hearts. Declare Him as Savior and Lord in our lives. Pray with me, will you? Just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for shedding your blood for my sins. Thank you that you were punished so that I would be forgiven. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your salvation. I receive sonship. Come into my heart and be not only my Savior, but also my Lord. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Before we close, could, could you all just stand together with me? I'm going to pray a short prayer. I wonder if you'd just lay your hands on one another and let's pray together. Hallelujah. Aren't you grateful? Aren't you grateful that we live in the day where everyone who calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved? But how will they call on one they've not believed? And how will they believe in one they've not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher, without the church? There are many, many, many who are lost and hurting, bound and afraid with punishment as their future. But it doesn't have to be because there is a new covenant established by the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and they need to hear that message. I'd like for us just to pray for the lost and I know each and every one of you know someone who needs to open up their heart and receive the forgiveness of our Savior and make Him their Lord. And as I pray, pray that you'll pray with me and just lift up their name to the Lord. 
Lord, we're gathered together as your people. We've got our hands on one another rep representing our connection and, and our unity in this. And we thank you. We thank you that the word was preached to us that we have heard and believed. And we know that there are many, Lord, who are lost, many who've not heard, many who have not believed. We lift you up to them right now. And we pray that they would hear the gospel of Jesus' name, that they would believe that you are, that you are the only begotten Son of God and that life and freedom and salvation is found in you and you alone. And they would recognize and know that we still live in the day of salvation where everyone, no matter who they are or what they've done, can call on you and will be saved. And we pray, Lord, that you'd stir their hearts right now and they'd lift up a cry to you, a cry for salvation. They'd call out to you for forgiveness and mercy and grace. And you in your goodness and in your love will come to them and save them. And you will become not only their salvation, but also their song. I thank you for this, Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Let's give the Lord.